What is up, everybody? You are listening to Live It with Jake Sullivan. Jake, it's been a while. I missed everyone last week. We didn't drop an episode last week. We got a little busy. And then earlier this week, you've been sick. Yeah. This week has been like the worst. I had just like, I was talking about it yesterday. I had like high fevers, uh, cough, all that kind of thing. But we we don't need to get into all that stuff. I think he just wanted to stay home and watch Netflix this week. That's totally not that. That's kind of true. No, I'm no. kidding. <laughs> no, but Jake, yeah. Um, how you been? How you I've been, been good. Doing? I've been good. Been yeah. busy. So ministry's going well. And yeah, um, love being a part of Grace Church. Yeah. So last week, Jake, we talked about um, last week, last episode, um, you know, like two two and a half weeks ago, yeah. almost. Um, we talked about just the healing process, mm-hmm. and um, really, uh, just just give us like a. 30 second, like quick, five quick, sentences, quick, quick, quick yeah, review. Of yeah, we really, we really talked was. about how we got to be careful just saying that, well, God healed me. God's more than capable of healing anybody at any time that he wants to heal, and we see that all throughout Scripture. But my story of healing was behavioral or exposure therapy along with the power mm. in God's Word. So it was a collision <laughs> of both at a special time in my life where I really gave my life over to Christ, but I would say that the exposure and behavioral therapy was what I walked through to bring me healing, but I could have never have walked through that without the Word of God. Oh, yeah, yeah. And God's Word has so much to say about this kind of stuff. It does. Right? It does. Like, so So this week what we're going to be looking into is um, what does God have to say? What does God's Word have to say about... Um, mental illness. Yeah. I mean, there are plenty of people throughout the Bible, um, in the Old Testament um, and in the New, who um, dealt with certain circumstances of, of mental illness, whether that um, whether that was like being possessed by a demon or there was just something mm-hmm. else going on. So let me hit you with this question just to kind of open us up here. Is mental illness spiritual? Such a good question. And, and I would say it can be. I said we always have two spectrums that we need to look through, you know, a lens that we need to look through when we think about mental illness. There's the spiritual component, which is completely biblical. We'll talk about just a second. And then there's, well, maybe God has created me this way. There's God's narrative that we need to fight for. And we need to say, okay, is God writing a certain narrative for the sake of his glory through my suffering? Yeah. That's his narrative. Or is there a spiritual component? So what we do know from Scripture is there is and can be a spiritual component to mental illness. So I want to give I want to give the listeners three clear examples. So one in Daniel chapter four with Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, yeah. Nebuchadnezzar's in his pride, the Lord took his sanity, and it, it says in Nebuchadnezzar four thirty four that. Um, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to the Lord, and my sanity was restored. But there was a seven-year period of time where Nebuchadnezzar was driven from the palace. Essentially, we get this picture of him living as a homeless man, suffering from mental illness until he turned his eyes to the Lord. We clearly see that was a spiritual component of mental illness. We see it in 1 Samuel Mm. 16 with King Saul. 
And this is how God ends up positioning David to know King Saul. But in King Saul's disobedience, his sanity was taken from him in the form of an evil spirit that was actually sent from the Lord to torment King Saul. And that's a whole deep thing to dive into. But what we do see is we see a spiritual component to King Saul's essentially losing his sanity. And then Mark chapter 5, I think, is another really clear one where Jesus encounters this demon-possessed man who had been chained up in the cemetery. And we know it was, one, it was demonic, but it was also a form of mental illness because it says the man was cutting himself. And what we do know in in the realm of psychology in in 2020 is cutting someone's self is a form of mental illness and anxiety disorder. But we see when Jesus comes to this man, he casts out the demons. And the demons, you know, jump into the pigs. The pigs fall off the side of the mountain, and the man is immediately healed. Mm. So there is a spiritual component to it. What I think those who are suffering with mental illness need to ask themselves, is mine spiritual, or could it be, or is there a narrative that God is trying to write through my life? Right. And and the only way we can we can decipher between the two is we have to ask ourselves, are we in Christ? Mm. So I want to give an example of that. Yeah. I'm mentoring someone right now who is suffering with mental illness, um, suffering with a form of obsessive compulsive disorder, with irrational thoughts of death. And this individual is 28 years old, and and I had the opportunity to meet with him. In that time of meeting with him, he denies all things of Jesus, right? He would consider himself completely agnostic, wants no part of God, no part of Christ, has not put his life in Christ. What we do know is there could be a component of his battle with mental illness right now that is 100% spiritual. We don't know until he gives his life to Christ. Because it says when we give our lives to Christ, Ephesians 1 talks about like when we give our lives to Christ— the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us, ultimately sealing us from the enemy, which means like the enemy can attack us from the outside, but there can't be a demonic possession inside of us. Yeah. So if we are in Christ and the Holy Spirit dwells in us, we are sealed. So if we are sealed, that kind of eliminates the spiritual component of mental illness and it throws us into, okay, what kind of narrative is God writing in my life? But if we are without Christ, it could be spiritual, and we have those examples all throughout Scripture. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So, so like, what would you say? So what would you say kind of talking about, like, your story going through a little bit of backtracking to, like, the healing process? Yep. Um. This is just something that I'm that I'm thinking about, and I kind of want to ask you about. I, I can't really really word this question very very well, but there was a part of the healing process where you hadn't yet accepted Christ, yeah. and there was a part of it afterwards where you had. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, obviously, we kind of know a little bit of the an- we know the answer um, at this point. Where like what the Lord is doing in your life and how yeah. He is using this um, this mental illness that you dealt with and even sometimes still do deal with, um, like to to be a testimony. Yeah. But how, what what would you say about that before yeah. Christ? Before Christ, like, what would you say about that? Well, and here I think is the is the test if there is a test from a biblical standpoint. In Neb- the story of Nebuchadnezzar. And in the story in Mark 5 of the man that Jesus encounters, 
once they've lifted their eyes to the Lord. So it says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to the Lord. Right? My sanity was like immediately restored. Mm-hmm. Mark 5, when he encounters Jesus, the demons are casted out. And this man, at least it, it, through the scripture, gives the appearance of an immediate healing. So he actually wanted to go with Jesus back on the boat. And Jesus says, no, I want you to return to your hometown and tell them all that the Lord has done for you. And we see this like immediately healing. Like, boom, it just happened, and they're healed. God never did that in my life. Mm. Right? Like, as as I reflect back, and I get, to, I get the privilege now of looking back on it. I think God has wired me a certain way for the narrative that he is writing for the sake of his own glory. Yeah. I don't think mine was fully spiritual because when I came to Christ, I was just not immediately healed. So it wasn't like there's this immediate healing boom, all of my irrational thoughts are gone. My irrational thoughts are still with me to this day. Mm -hmm. I've just learned how to fight against them through the word of God. Right. But it's not as though my obsessive compulsive nature is gone. And I think what we see in Daniel 4 that's clear and in Mark 5 is clear is there's an immediate healing mm. and it's gone. So as I reflect back on my own life, I I kind of settle into the fact that there is a narrative that I need to fight for that God is writing based on how he designed me. So so let me just jump into that a little quick yeah. a, a little bit. Yeah. So this idea of God's narrative so the enemy wants to take what God has designed for good. He yep. wants to twist it just a little to create chaos. We see that in the garden with Eve, right? Like yep. God said, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Mm-hmm. That was actually for the benefit of Adam and Eve. The enemy comes in. He twists the truth. He twists God's good design just a little bit and says, no, God is just trying to withhold something from you. So eat from this tree. Boom, we create chaos. So when we think about our own lives and we think about God as the designer of all things, what we know as Christ followers is we are made in the image of God. We know that in Genesis 1 and 2, that God created us in his image. And then we know in Jeremiah 1 that he forms us inside of our mother's womb. So if God created me in his image, he formed me inside my mother's womb. There's only two possibilities that can happen from that. Either God screwed up or God designed me exactly as he wanted me. Yeah. Th- those are the only two possibilities. Like God right. hit the button that was forming me in my mother's womb and we're like, darn it, I screwed up Jake. Well, he's right. going to have to suffer for the next 80 years. My right. bad. And I think I, there's so many people that that do believe that. I think part so of so many part part of yeah I don't think I know I mean I know that there's so many people that believe that I mean I've even I've even have had many conversations with people that are just you know I'm I'm just such a screw up like like and I think you know maybe when I when God created me I just he just messed something up like did he really mean for me to be like this like meant for me to go through all this all this pain and like uh, you know it's really kind of a sad thing to look at but um and here really um i'm like you said the fact of the matter is though is uh, first of all god doesn't screw up he's got <laughs> <No. laughs> um um but like but second of all uh, it's it's hard for us to grasp um 
the fact that God has an idea and a plan for his glory to use the things that 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 you are going through because we live in and and that we are going through or those who deal with mental illness um, to use that for good for a testimony for his glory but I mean it's pretty hard for us to see that um, and for those to see that who who are either a have no no faith or little faith or who are just very new and quite shallow in their faith and understand just the, even can only understand the very basics of who God is. Yeah. You know, God created the heavens and the earth. God sent his son, Jesus. God is good. God is all knowing, you know? So, well, and God uses I mean, suffering, right? Why? And we, we, we don't want to think like that, but God uses suffering right. to position his people for the purpose he has mm. for them, which is that the gospel would go forth. Mm-hmm. And, and you think about the story of Joseph, mm-hmm. Joseph shares a dream with his brothers. His brothers beat him up. They throw him in a pit. They sell him to Egypt. He ends up in Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife falsely accuses him, throws him into prison for a long period of time so that he would get to know the cupbearer of King Pharaoh of Egypt. So when the king had a dream, Joseph would be able to interpret it. Right? Like you see God's fingerprints all over suffering to position his people. Joseph becomes the leader of Egypt during a time of famine in order to save the people. Mm -hmm. We have a God that uses suffering Mm -hmm. to position his people for his purpose, for the sake of the gospel. Right. That's a, that's a crazy thought to think about. And the same is true with mental illness. Like if we are sealed with the Holy spirit and we can rule out the spiritual component, the demonic component that we do see throughout scripture, then Mm -hmm. God has created me in this way for his purposes to position me for the sake of the gospel. Like, how awesome is that? So mm. how has that played out in my life? So there's a, there's a, there's a couple different ways. The, the most obvious one, and we've talked about this a little bit, is, is I was a former Division I athlete and, and played college basketball mm-hmm. at Iowa State. Well, six-foot white guys don't play college basketball at Iowa State in the Big 12. And if they do, they're typically a walk-on who never actually plays. Mm-hmm. They don't become all Big 12, Big 12 freshmen of the year and score 1,800 points at Iowa State. So how was it that a guy physically that should never play college basketball at Iowa State in the Big 12 was able to do that? Well, how my brain was wired. I had these obsessive tendencies and these, these processes of thought that in one spectrum of my life caused me pain and challenge and difficulty, but in another spectrum of life would position me for what God had for me. Yeah. So now I have this huge platform for the gospel because of what I accomplished in basketball. Yeah. But in order to get me to do that, there had to be a component of how I was wired to get me in that place. Mm-hmm. So that, yes, there was suffering in that place, but there was good that came from that place. And all of a sudden, now I'm fighting for God's narrative. But what the enemy wants you to believe, that in your suffering, God has forsaken you. He has screwed you up. He has forgotten you. He is not good. He is not loving. He is not a good creator. And in that place, you begin to believe those eyes. And before you know it, you have turned away from the Lord. Mm. What has been the best way that, Jake, you can minister to those who are going through trials and suffering in the realm of mental illness? What has been the best way that you can minister to them by saying, like, your suffering is meant for good? You know, like, you can't just come nobody up. Nobody wants to pretty, hear that. Nobody wants to hear that exactly. But you, you can't just come up to someone and say, listen, 
Like, I know that you're going through depression. Like, I know that all, like, all these things are happening. But trust me, this is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you can't just, you can't just say that. Well, here's how I thought about it. I like to win. So if I'm playing my wife in a game of cards <laughs> and we're playing Rummy 500, right? Like, if she beats me, I'm mad. Right. right. If I'm playing um, Connect Four with my son Jacoby and he beats me, I'm mad. And he, here's the reality: if you're a Christ follower, you have an adversary, you have an opponent, you have an enemy. Mm. I don't want him to win, and I do know the character of the enemy as I know the character of God. Right. And what the character of the enemy wants us to believe is that in our suffering, God has forgotten us. Right. I'm not willing to stay in that place. No. I'm not willing to be in that place of defeat. And the, I want to be in a place of victory. And the enemy, I mean, his his sole purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. That's it. Exactly. And we can fight, like, as Christ followers, in the midst of our suffering, because we have the Word of God, we get the opportunity to fight for truth, yeah. for fight for victory, mm-hmm. to remind ourselves, what does God's Word say? God's Word says... I was created in his image. Mm. God's word said I was formed in my mother's womb. God's word says that through the life of Joseph, though he suffered in all kinds of ways, it was meant for good, Genesis 50, 20, so that others may live. So what maybe someone meant for evil, actually God used for good. The cross, the suffering of Christ had to take place so that I would have eternal life. Right. In that, I can begin to list out the gifts of mental illness, of yeah. my wiring, how I have been formed, how I have been designed, and how it is training me for the purposes that God has for me. And what those who are in the midst of the battle right now, they have to do, we have to listen to those who are on the other side of it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think it's such a cool picture. You know, you're like, well, how did everyone miss Jesus? They were in the middle of it. right? They were t- Like, we get the privilege of looking back on the story. And when you mm. get to look back on the story... Right, you can find peace in that place, and I think with those who are walking through mental illness, and the reason we're doing this podcast is I have the privilege and the opportunity now to look back, and I see God's fingerprints all over it. Mm. And my prayer is that whoever listens to this will trust the fact that okay, somebody's been through the fire, and they're now looking back, speaking truth. I can believe that truth right. as well. And not not only do we, I just want to add this: not only do we fight for the victory and for this narrative, but we are also fighting from a place of victory. Like you said, the cross, the cross, we have victory in the cross and in the blood of Jesus. When he died and he rose again, he defeated death. Mm -hmm. He defeated sin. He defeated mental illness. And so I think it's a super important um, fact, a super important thing to remember that we are fighting from a place of victory. Yeah. Like whatever we try to do, whatever the enemy tries to do, we we have already won. We we have victory. Exactly. But in that, right, we still have to fight for it. Yep. Exactly. And I, I think one of the ways that we can fight for it is, is if you are listening to this and you are someone who has suffered or is suffering, list out the gifts. Can yeah. you find the gifts in it? It's good. And I think that's where we fight for it. So one of the things that I've talked about as a gift for me is my ability to multitask. 
So people around me are like, you're going to burn yourself out. You're going to burn yourself out, burn yourself out. I'm like, oh, if you only knew how the Lord trained me. Mm. So as a young person growing up, and to talk about it, just college in particular, I was an academic All-American. I was a Division One athlete. I had to get a 1,000 shots up or more a day. I was dating a girl who became my wife, and I was suffering from obsessive compulsive disorder. I would spend two, three, four hours a day in counting rituals. I had to learn to manage all of that. All those different components wow. I was managing in the midst of suffering. But as I look back and I reflect back, I see what a gift it is. God was training me to multitask. Wow. So I can multitask at a very, very high level. I probably have a greater capacity than most in that area of multitasking because the God that I serve trained me in the midst of my suffering for 10 years to be able to do it. Mm. What a yeah. gift. Yeah. That's but can awesome. we find those gifts in the midst of suffering? Yeah. So one of the coolest things, um, one of the coolest ways that I've actually heard this explained, I, I might have mentioned this before in one of the earlier episodes, but when we're talking about like why, why is there darkness? Why is there mental illness? Why is there pain and suffering and trials? If you think about, if you think about God and how he shines in the midst of all that and how much better he looks when we when we have something to not necessarily like not to demean the idea mm-hmm. of who god is but something to compare him to like there's god and then there's everything else yeah. which is which is sin which is darkness which is I mean, what we were born into one of the best ways that i've seen that like or heard that explained is like when when you think about a jeweler and you go to yeah. like um the, like a jewelry dispenser or whatever you whatever you want to call them and they want to showcase like their best gems or something they hold them in against a black cloth yes so that uh, you can just see every little detail of it and it just looks so much cooler if you hold a diamond um, up to a white cloth you're just you're just gonna see a rock. Yeah, it's not really going to be cool to look at, but when you hold it up against a black cloth, that brilliant diamond, all the shapes and mm-hmm. and and little ridges and stuff, it, it just looks so much cooler, so much more beautiful. Yeah, that's kind of what we're talking about with with the Lord and how His glory is shown through all of this. Yeah. When we look at the Lord, when we look at God and what and what He has done for us. His glory shines all the more, all and the we more can, brightly. and and that is like our reason to praise Him, our reason to worship Him. It it is, and you know, did God design evil? Did God design the the brokenness and the fall? No, that's not His nature. But in His nature, good always comes from it. Yeah, and if we can see a new perspective of God that contrasts darkness and evil and brokenness and fallenness, now we know who the one true God is. Mm. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to drive his people back to himself. And the only reason he doesn't return and end it all is he loves his people. He wants his people to know him as many as possible before he returns. And we can take comfort and peace in that. And in my suffering, I've gotten to know God so personally and so intimately, and I've got to see his beauty. Yeah. And in that is the greatest gift of all. I would never, ever trade my suffering yeah. in for 
not knowing God, right? Like in my suffering, I got to know God and I got to see his beauty and I got to experience his love in such a new and fresh way that that I am thankful for my suffering yeah. instead of trying to flee my suffering. Mm, that's so good. That's so cool. Well, yeah. Let's that's let's wrap great. it up. I just want I that's want great. I want our listeners just to chew on it. We're gonna wrap it up to so be a little bit shorter this yeah. week. But I, I just I want our listeners just to chew on the fact that God is good. Yeah. And God is good in the midst of suffering. So it may not be mental illness. You may be walking in some other form of suffering. You know, we I use the example of Joseph. Brothers beat him up and threw him into a pit and sold him into slavery. That could be your story. We don't just know. Just an average day. Just, just an a average day. day. <laughs> but God uses suffering to reveal his glory, his beauty, his goodness, his love, and ultimately to position his people for his purpose. Mm, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So so sit and chew on that. Um, even go and look like, look at what the word has to say about this. Where where, where would you say is like just kind of like the best place to look? Genesis one and two. Look at God's awesome. design. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Daniel chapter four, First Samuel sixteen, Mark chapter five. But look at the beauty of God. God is good. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, um, we will see you all next week. We'll be back at it next yeah. week. Looking forward to it. Yes, sir.